Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Good evening, Robert. How are you? For hosting. Thank you, hosting our share tonight. We will get right to our uh, subject, which is the Parsha of Kedoshim. This is a blockbuster Parsha, does not need my approbation, uh, but uh, we shall see that, as always, our uh, friend who we have been uh, learning from during the last months has uh, some very uh, insightful and always creative ideas. So I want to begin with a very well-known pasuk, one of the verses in the Torah that probably has among the highest profile, if I can use that expression. I'm talking about chapter 19, verse 18. 19, 18. It's easy to remember. Uh, uh, it was actually uh, not a good year. The year 1918 was the year of the Spanish flu that uh, killed 21 million people. But it's a very excellent pasuk. It ref I'm talking about love your neighbor as yourself. This, as I said, is one of the very well-known, very uh, foundational psukim in the Torah. It's not just my, um, uh, you know, opinion. Uh, Rabbi Kiva says, which Rashi quotes as well. So, okay, very well-known. The thing about this possible though, is if you think about it for a moment, we will have to acknowledge that it's highly problematic. The idea of love your neighbor uh, is, as we say, the foundation probably of all the mitzvahs ben Adam lemakom, ben Adam lechavera. However, the idea kamocha is very problematic. Is it really possible? Does the Torah really mean to say that a person should love his friend, his neighbor, uh, even a um, just a coworker or a casual acquaintance or a stranger? This, to the same extent that he loves himself. This is highly problematic. So I want to tell you what Xava Kabbalah says about it. He's quoting a very interesting Sefer, at one time was highly influential, called Sefer Habris. It was published in 1797. Um, the author is called um, Pinchas, I think, Horovitz, and he was from Vilna. And in 1797, he published this Sefer, which was reprinted 40 times, 40 times it was reprinted, uh, also in Yiddish, also in Ladino. Uh, and it's a fascinating book, and Xava Kabbalah quotes him quite often. At, as I've indicated, one time it was very influential, very popular. Uh, it's lost some of its, uh, well, a lot of its popularity. I don't know whether you've even heard of it, but okay, a very interesting book. Let me tell you what he says. The meaning of this pasuk is, kamocha means that the same uh, expectation that you have of a friend, let's say you have a good friend and you would hope and you would expect that there are certain things that he would do for you. Uh, he would treat you with compassion, with generosity, with honesty, with integrity, with sympathy. You would hope that uh, he would judge you uh, favorably. He would not uh, uh, demean you or he would not malign you. Uh, he would not uh, insult you. He would not uh, ignore you if you want to talk. The expectations that we would have of a friend, the same 
way that I would expect and hope a friend would act towards me, I have to act that way towards him and towards every Jew. This is a, an achievement. This is like a, a, a level which is um, accessible, which doesn't demand of a person something which is essentially beyond his grasp. The idea that love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself, to the same extent, whatever you do for yourself, you should do for him. Whatever you want for yourself, you should uh, just give that to every other person. Firstly, as Ramban says, it's contrary to human nature. It's also contrary to the halacha, because halacha says that your life comes first. So says the Ksava uh, Kabbalah, quoting this Sefer Habris, uh, just like um, I would not like someone to regard me as inferior and to treat me in a in a callous or, or demeaning way, I must do the same for others as well. These are expectations which are realistic. I would like a friend to lend me 10 pounds if I find that I don't have money for, uh, for some purpose. Nowadays, you've got your credit card or your Apple Pay or something like that, but it could still uh, occur. You know, you might need a, a, a loan for it till tomorrow. I would hope a friend of mine would loan me 10 pounds or maybe 50 pounds even. But it doesn't mean that I would expect a friend to loan me or to give me a grant of a thousand pounds or to sign over his investment portfolio to me or to give me his house and the basement and the attic and all of his furnishings, everything that belongs to him and his pension account, his pension plan that he's been contributing to for all of these years that he would sign it over to me. It would be ridiculous for me to expect someone to do that for me, nor says Kabbalah, does the Torah expect a person to do that for someone else. That is what he does for himself. He naturally has to look after his own interest. I put it slightly differently. Uh, every living organism has a survival instinct. It is a, a biological imperative. And again, this is part of human nature as well. Says Xavier Kabbalah, he says, this uh, saves us. I'll just read you a few words. He says, um, uh, the, the ideas of taking it literally that uh, uh, this, he says, to escape from this difficult problem of understanding, interpreting the word kamocha as yourself, he says the different nefarshim have fallen into deep uh, waters where they can hardly escape from them. Um, and he says, like Ramban says, it's uh, It's just an exaggeration. Now, it could be that, uh, you know, that is one approach. It's difficult to say about a mitzvah that the Torah is so imprecise with its language that it uses terminology just to sort of impress on the reader the importance of the matter, which is not really intended to be taken literally. Difficult. That's what Ramban suggests, but it's difficult to interpret it that way. He mentions another approach: uh, do for your love your neighbor as yourself. So if I love horses, or if I love dogs, or if I love cats, so I should give that to a friend. Well, maybe my friend doesn't like horses. Or he doesn't like cats. He doesn't like dogs. Maybe I love pets. I'm an animal lover. So I should give it to a friend, you know, for his birthday or even some other occasion. He doesn't want them. He doesn't want, he doesn't. Have, it's difficult to say that you should do for other people what you like to do for yourself. Maybe they like different things. Of course, probably the meaning is that the, the sorts of things which every person 
appreciates and every person likes, that's what you should do for your neighbor. But if you take it literally, you've got these issues. So says Xavier Kabbalah, this is the interpretation. And he adds on something very beautiful, very elegant. Kamocha, Kamocha means like you. Kamocha, of course, we know that. He suggests there's a pun here. There is a, a um, dual meaning. The word Kamocha, of course, derives from the word Kama, as, like Kumo. He says, but the word Kama, Chaf Mem He, has another meaning as well. Of course, the word Kama means how much, but it has another meaning, a more uh, elegant meaning, perhaps. And that meaning is to crave, to desire, to yearn, to pine. Like the Pasuk says in Tehillim, Kamalacha Besari. What's this Pasuk? Yeah, it says, Kamalacha um, Besari, my flesh yearns for you. Or we sing in um, uh, Yedid Nefesh, my soul yearns for you. It's a very beautiful, very compelling, very stirring word. Kamait means to yearn or to pine. He says, there's a pun here. And he doesn't mean it, you know, in a humorous way. Saying the Torah is hinting that the, that the meaning is the same things that you desire, that you pine for, that you hope for, that you yearn for. From your friends, how they will treat you, you've got to treat them in the same way. As I say, again, this is an achievable and accessible standard, which nevertheless, uh, uh, you know, is not to be taken for granted. If we are honest with ourselves, how often do we treat others in a way which we ourselves would not like to be treated? And we fall short in our behavior towards others of the standards which we would like and hope that they exhibit for us, towards us. Okay, this is an insight and a novel, a creative approach, but I think it's quite close to the pshat. Of course, as we said, a very well-known pasuk. Here's another pasuk that's quite well-known, and Ksavah uh, Kabbalah has a, a brilliant insight into the etymology, into the derivation of the word. And I know I've mentioned sometimes that I never thought of this, and occasionally I say, I thought of the question, but I never uh, thought of the answer. I think it's very rare that I ever say, I thought of the question and the answer. If that were the case, then um, I don't think I'd be telling you about it in this year. Uh, we're looking at novelty here. Here's a question that has occurred to me very many times, perhaps occurred to you as well. I'm looking at uh, Perak Yud test later on in our same chapter, chapter 19, verse 32. So here the Torah is speaking about honoring uh, and, and showing respect or even reverence for our elders. The Torah says, Mi pnei seva takum pnei zaken. Uh, You shall, in the presence of an old person, you shall rise and you shall honor the presence of a sage. Hadarta pnei zaken. I'll just mention that in my voice note, hopefully to go out tomorrow, I have something completely different to say about this pasuk. So if it interests you, please tune in tomorrow when we send it out. Listen, take about three minutes of your time, maybe less. But tonight, I want to tell you something different from Ksav Kabbalah. The question that I've often pondered is, is there a relationship between the word hidur, the hadarta? Hadarta is to beautify, really. Hadar, like we say about an esrog, creates Hadar, the future of a beautiful tree. Hadar means to beautify. Hidur mitzvah is to beautify, to 
uh, aggrandize. It means that you shall treat an elderly person with respect, bring maybe beauty to his face, make him feel as if you value him, you respect him because of his seniority alone, in addition to the wisdom which he will have amassed. By the way, it's applicable to a woman equally as well. One should show respect to an, uh, an elderly man or woman equally. Is there a relationship between the word hadar as we've explained it now, which means beauty and to enhance, and the Aramaic word hadar, which means to return. Uh, or it means, as we'll see in one moment, it means to desist. So in Aramaic, the word hadar has the meaning of to retreat or to desist. If you're planning to do something, you want to do something, and then you refrain from doing so. The word should be familiar to us, uh, certainly to the Talmudists among us who have attended a Siyum Masechta, when we celebrate the conclusion of the study of a tractate of the Talmud. So we have what's called a Hadran, and we say the words Hadran Allah Masechta Shavuos, Hadran Allah Masechta Sota. Or if you finish a whole Seder of the Mishnah, as the Dafyomi uh, students did uh, a few months ago, Hadran Allah Seder Mo'ed, we will return to you. Hadran Allah, we will return to you. The word Hadar means to like repeat or do something again. Says Iksavak, is there any relationship between those words? And I never thought or I never succeeded in understanding how there's some common feature among them. I thought, well, the Aramaic and the Hebrew are completely unrelated, which is unusual because uh, they are cognate languages. And sometimes the recourse to the Aramaic can shed light on the Hebrew. And here, Iksavak Kabbalah says, this is true in our instance as well. He says, Hadar means to desist or to retreat out of respect or awe. And like it says, Vidal lo sehadar berivo. Vidal, a person who is downtrodden, lo sehadar. So the understand, usual understanding is do not show respect to him, berivo, when he is, when he has a dispute. It's addressed to the judge. A judge should not show favoritism. Of course, it would be very nice to find in favor of the poor and to require the, his wealthy disputant to uh, uh, pay him or to, to uh, cause you know, the, the poor person to get some payment or pay out the compensation. That's great if the law justifies it, if the facts justify it. But the Pasuk says, Vidal lo berivo, in his dispute, do not show honor to the poor person because you want to help him out. Or there's another Pesach, essentially the other side of the coin, coin which we had in, in our, by the way, that Vidar, that Pesach, Vidal, Lo Sedab Rivo, if you want to make a note, if you want to look it up, it's in Exodus 23, uh, verse 3. But here we have in our, our Pasha Kedoshim, just a few verses earlier, in verse 15, in our same chapter 29, I'm sorry, our chapter 19, verse 15, and Rashi says that a person shouldn't think, how shall I shame or embarrass him and uh, 
hand down a ruling that he is in the wrong when he is uh, he's one of the great people of the town it would be so humiliating for him so i'm going to show him some respect you're not allowed to the judge is not allowed to do so in both of these instances a person might be inclined he might feel there's good reason to show respect to help out the poor man or to show respect to the wealthy man, to the great man, maybe to the learned, maybe to the righteous man. But on this occasion, he is in the wrong. So therefore, the Torah says, sehedar, uh, uh, meaning uh, desist, retreat. Don't, you might think that you, you might be inclined to act maybe instinctively. You'd like to um, rule in a particular way because it's more appropriate for the nature of the personalities involved. That's wrong justice has to take its course so therefore it says sehedar lashon of hidur the meaning is that um to to like retreat and to desist then he adds on a beautiful further thought uh if you look at um i made a bracha earlier If we consider what the sages say about this um, pasuk about vahadarta penezakein, so listen closely. Vahadarta penezakein, ezuhu hidur. What is an act of hidur of showing respect or bringing honor? Do not sit in his seat and do not contradict his words. The respect that a person should show for his elders is: don't sit in his seat, don't contradict his words. So the Ksava Kabbalah points out, he says, you might ask a question. The Torah says, vahadarta pene zakein. It's an expression of what you should do. It's kum va'aseh. These are actions that you should take to honor the, the elderly. The examples that the sages give are to refrain it's as if they were interpreting a prohibition. If the Torah were to express the similar idea or the same idea in terms of what is forbidden, then it would make sense. Don't sit in his seat. Don't contradict his words. But one could ask that in this instance, the Torah is expressing this as a positive commandment. So why do the sages give examples of refraining from behavior that would be demeaning or would compromise the honor and the reverence that you should show for your elders. Says Xavier Kabbalah, according to our explanation, it makes perfect sense because the meaning of Hadar, the real meaning is to retreat, to desist, to refrain out of reverence and respect. So Hadar, according to this analysis, we can have recourse to the Aramaic word, which means to like, as we say, to revisit or to return like we say hadran alach the, the basic meaning of which is to retreat out of respect or out of reverence and that is the meaning here as well and in this way i have um discovered something which i've always been curious about the common meaning between hidur in the hebrew which means as we say to honor to respect to beautify and the word hadar in aramaic as we have explained. I want to share with you a third idea, as we often are doing in this year, we we'll choose a few different selections. This one is quite well known. And uh, I mean, 
the question, let's say, or the circumstance which requires elucidation is well known. Xavier Kabbalah Kedarko has uh, a fascinating insight, which I'm going to share with you. So let's take a look at chapter 20, verse 17. If you've got the stone chumash, which I have here, you'll find it on page 668. The Torah here is speaking about, I'm sorry to say, because it's a bit unsavory, an incestuous relationship. A man who takes his sister the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, half-sister or full-sister, and he sees her nakedness, that's a euphemism, does not require explanation, and she sees his nakedness, chesed hu, chesed hu. The Torah says this is an act of chesed, or it can be described as chesed, and they will be uh, cut off from their nation. Uh, the Torah here attaches great opprobrium to a, an unseemly act of incest. The question, of course, is that word chesed. Why and how do we attach the word chesed, which is such a fine word, such a praiseworthy concept, to this act of incest? Now, this uh, irony is uh, well known. Rashi says, take a look at Rashi for those who have access to Rashi's commentary. So Rashi says, chesed lashon arami cherpa. So Rashi says that the word chesed in Aramaic is used for cherpa. Cherpa is something which is uh, shameful. And Rashi uh, gives an example where the uh, where the uh, the Torah says uh, that the uh, um, for a Jewish woman to marry a man who is uncircumcised, that's what the sons of Yaakov said about Dina vis-a-vis -vis her um, proposed shidduch with the Shechem ben Chamor. So they said, you know, we cannot allow our sister to marry a man who's uncircumcised. That's what the Torah says, cherpa, and the Aramaic translation is um, uh, um, chasuda, as Rashi says. And then Rashi says, a medrash as well, that it was a kind of chesed that Hashem allowed Cain to marry his sister from which the world was developed because Adam had sons, must have had some daughters that we don't know about, but they were sisters to the brothers. Okay, that's a drash of Rashi. Of course, the irony is obvious that the word chesed, which is such a positive word, seems to have a dual meaning. It also means cherpa, which is disgrace, which is uh, uh, you know, an expression of, of shame, uh, Tzav Kabbalah says that right here, Targum Unculus renders it kalana, kalon. Again, it means disgrace and, and the like. The problem is, we do find words in Hebrew that have two opposite meanings. We do find such a thing, but Ramban is very troubled by it. Ramban says, Rachok, Shechesed, Belashon HaKodesh, it's difficult, it's, it's far-fetched, says Ramban, that the word chesed in the Hebrew language has 
a meaning which we are familiar with and also the opposite meaning. Now, there is an explanation to this, which I mentioned in the past over the years, that chesed means an act of giving, of sharing, of like uh, a giving of oneself. That, this is chesed. In this instance, we're talking about incest. And in a generic way, we're talking about sexual uh, excess, indulgence, and impropriety. So one can see how untrammeled chesed, which has no restraint, which has no parameters, which is not uh, directed in, a, um, uh, in an appropriate way and in a limited way, in a focused way, that kind of impulse, if a person shares and gives with one and all, then it can lead to promiscuity. I've said many times, I once saw a sign that says, love your neighbor, but don't get caught. This is the idea of untrammeled chesed. And that's how I've always understood it. Ramban is not comfortable with it, though. The idea that the word chesed has an opposite meaning. And he suggests that the, uh, uh, he says, the, the Torah in many places praises and lauds the quality of chesed. We even say about Hashem, the Rav chesed ve'emes. Chesed is the highest quality. Titen Emes Liakov, Chesed La Avraham. The words of Tanakh, the books of Tanakh are suffused with praise for the quality of Chesed. Ramban is not comfortable with, with the idea that has the opposite meaning as well. And he goes so far as to suggest that the Aramaic and the Hebrew are not to be uh, like uh, associated with one another here. The word Cherpa. In Aramaic is chasuda, okay? But because chasuda in Aramaic means disgrace, it doesn't mean that it has that same meaning in Hebrew. So says Ramban, he has another approach. But Ksavet Kabbalah has a simple and such a, a, a brilliant insight. He says, yes, chesed is highly praiseworthy. Chesed is among the most important midos which a person can have, and which a Jew should certainly have and display, as we know. But that is from the perspective of the one who is the mashpia, the one who provides, the one who gives, the one who bestows the act of chesed and benevolence. However, from the perspective of the recipient, of the beneficiary. From his point of view, it's a cherpa, it's a shame. It is shameful for the recipient. The recipient who feels as if he is impoverished and as if he is uh, lacking in resources to look after himself, that he is in need of receiving handouts. Says Xavier Kabbali is quoting the Ramchal. It's actually found in Yerushalmi as well. Man de achal de lavdile, a person who eats from food which is not his, he is ashamed to look at the face of the one who gives him. Uh, we have the expression Nahama de Kisu for the bread of shame. So says the Xavier Kabbalah, Chesed, there are two, two sides to the Chesed coin. The giver is to be praised, highly praised. And that's a quality to which we should all aspire, which we must all manifest. 
But there is another side to the picture as well for the recipient. And again, the giver can give in a way which minimizes or even eliminates the shame or the, the, the sense of um, inadequacy felt by the recipient. Yes, but in principle, the one who gives feels good. The one who receives is grateful, but at the same time, it undermines his sense of self-worth. So therefore, says Ksavah Kabbalah, the, the fact that the word chesed also has the meaning of disgrace and shame, it's not so preposterous. It's not so, uh, you know, a kind of, of uh, astonishing irony. It's not really that way, because the chesed coin has two sides. The chesed, which is uh, the praise of the giver, but there is also the shame from the side of the recipient as well. So just to review in the minute or two we've got left, we spoke about an approach which uh, is, I think, very close to the pshat, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't mean you should do everything for him that you do for yourself. It doesn't mean that you should love him equally to the way you love yourself, which is contrary to human nature. It's also contrary, contrary to the halacha, by the way, because chayech kodmin. But rather, the meaning is the same expectations that I have of a friend towards me, and if I think about it a little bit, there are a lot of them, I should provide that for others as well. And I should be conscientious about that. And I should ha have the same expectations of myself that I have of others or another person whom I regard as my good friend. And that is a standard which is achievable. And yet uh, it requires, I would suggest, um, maybe for some it comes naturally entirely, but it requires a, a conscious awareness to be alert to the, uh, recognition that I need to treat others with the same expectations that the expectations I have of my friends, I must be a friend to others in that way as well. We said kamocha related to the word kama, which means to yearn or to pine, kama lacha besari, as it says in Tehillim. And then finally, I mean, the middle one, we said vahadarta the word vahadarta means to beautify or to bring bring a, a, a beauty to the face of a, um, a distinguished person, but it's related to the Aramaic hadar, which means to return or to desist, to like uh, uh, retreat. So if I might be inclined to do something to treat an elderly person like, um, you know, a, a peer or maybe to be dismissive, dismissive of him, vahadarta, uh, retreat and uh, desist from such behavior and rather recognize the reverence and the respect which is due to those who are older and no doubt wiser uh, than us as well. So thank you again for listening and uh, wish everybody Shabbat Shalom. And uh, if anyone would like to come to Kesher, I'm delighted to say we have a special guest speaker in the form of Rabbi Barry Marcus on Shabbos morning. We're having an Israeli Kiddush and we're doing Prikavot in the afternoon as well, the evening. So please join us for that if you would like. At uh, seven ten well, minutes before Mincha. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Brilliant share. Thank you. Brilliant share. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Pass the word around, Thank everyone. You. We wanted to get more people, so everyone should try <laughs> to bring some people. Put on your status for next week. Okay. Thank, thank you, Lizzie. Thank you, Rabbi Sire. Amazing share. Thank you. Thank you. Good
Get tired, get stressed out. Trying to manage, trying to keep up all things. We slept yeah, okay, you didn't have any sleep, that's something else. You were very stressed out. A little better than you, I'm sure. She sent out the that walk just a bit. Stumpy. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I'm talking about. Well, if you use you, you like it's the same same link every week. Yeah, thanks very much. That's why you did it, thank you. Just just a bit common sense of the same every week. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you cope with things, that's how best I cope with things. We've got a different way of working with things, my mother always used to tell me. More different people. And my mind is clear, I can relax. No, and that doesn't happen with me. I get some of the thoughts in it. I get the exact opposite of me. I do my duties earlier and I'd be thinking about it all night and I would stop me from sleeping and make me all hyper. So I can't work like that. 
Unfortunately, I would like to, but I can't, unfortunately. Mine works differently. The chair on the users one on my stories. No one, Ninti Ako. Can eight women make mistakes? Then the wording, but it's when they make the galley, this monument. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't do press on because we get we get covered. Don't do too much press. Yeah, that's not loving kindness is good to me. Not not that kind of person. Helping other people you actually do a lot. So what about cover not ever hustle Oh, dear. 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 O
Mr. and Mrs. Edra Bush. <laughs> 